0: Welcome to another episode of the Alias Secure AF podcast, the podcast about all things information security. I'm your host, Teddy Underkoffler. Well, thank you all for joining me for this episode of the Secure AF podcast. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about the new CMMC regulation that will be coming out. I'm sure people have already been hearing about it, but we're going to have kind of an in-depth conversation on what exactly it is and why it matters. Before we begin, can I have everyone kind of go around the room, say who you are? Um, We've got a special guest today, Fred. So, Donovan, do you want to start out?
1: Yeah, sure. I'm the uh, CEO of Alias. Obviously, kind of started this group and what we grow into Um, Our overall goals is, you know, for security and also the education. That's why we have started this podcast and also to kind of branch out and educate the community because I feel there's a big deficiency between um, people who are actually practitioners and just generic public on how uh, the government plays into security, how we play in security, and kind of that balance. So that's kind of uh, my role at uh, Alias at this point.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm Andrew Noland. I'm the chief operating officer here at Alias. Um, You know, CMMC is something we've really been uh, putting a focus on and trying to get ahead of. You know, it's something that people have known about really probably since the end of 2019. But, you know, it's gotten a lot of steam. And is going to be coming down the pipeline for a lot of these DoD companies. So, you know, we were very fortunate that we were able to run into um, a gentleman here, our special guest, Fred, uh, to you know kind of talk more about that. Learn about you know specifically what are the things that organizations are going to do. How can we help them get to that point so that it's not so much, not such a scary situation to get into. You know, they can have a little more confidence once you know they pay the money to actually have somebody tell them
3: that they're where they need to be so I'm the special guest I'm Fred Scherge Mm -hmm. uh, CTO of Broadmoor Consulting and I have been working since about the beginning of the year with the CMMC AB to help create the body of knowledge for the assessment process and my company is working to become a C3PAO which is a certified third-party organization And myself as a provisional assessor for those companies that do need to become certified.
0: Perfect. And anyone who's listened to this podcast before has heard my voice. I am Teddy. I'm the host of Secure AF. So let's just go ahead and kind of get right in. Fred, if you don't mind, kind of explain what CMMC is.
3: All right. So CMMC is an evolutionary process. Roughly four years ago, the government came through and said, okay, guys, we're losing billions of dollars every year from intellectual property theft of both primes and subprimes being essentially hacked. So they originally came out with a concept which was NIST 800-171, it was a set of rules for companies to follow and maintain best practices with security standards. And all companies in their contracts, it's listed in there that you should be NIST compliant with air quotes there uh, because there is no real compliance. It's just an attaboy. Yes, you did what you're supposed to do. And after four years, a review was done and figured out that most companies were nowhere close to actually being as good as they appear on paper. So that led to the realization that for this compliance, there needs to be a real certification that a company needs to get. Somebody has to go in and verify that this has been done. And then on the backside, there needs to be a government organization that goes through behind the assessors that say, okay, these companies have continued to do what they're supposed to do. So that is where the CMMC, which is the Cybersecurity Maturity Model, came from. It's the group of people, industry experts that have come together to take what is there, and really put some meat behind it so people can truly understand what NIST was supposed to achieve, and the process of getting certified for having it. That's the Reader's Digest version. Yeah,
0: <laughs> short and sweet.
2: Yeah, and it's really uh, one of those frameworks that you know are intended to help these companies better protect the information, better protect. You know confidential government data things like that that we don't want getting in the hands of russia and china and all the other folks uh, across the way and so it's you definitely had good intentions but not having any teeth and not really haven't forcing people to do it i think a lot of people that don't understand it don't see the you know actual value and you know the risks that they're putting themselves at by not doing that sort of stuff so um, it's much needed, but, you know, it's definitely catching people off guard, it seems
1: like. Yeah, so to kind of explain, so what you're telling me, there were companies out there that were saying they were being secure and they actually
3: weren't. Well, let me just make sure I'm clear on that. Probably just a few. I am not going to explain how they were doing it <laughs> just in case there are companies that haven't figured this out. But, yeah, there was actually a um, nice paperwork way of saying we haven't done this, but we'll eventually get to it one day probably. Yeah, gotcha. I, and yeah. I'm not going to explain to companies yeah. who haven't figured that yeah. one out, but there were a lot of companies that figured that out pretty quick.
1: Yeah, yeah. and then and in different compliance uh, verticals that I've worked, again, for an example, someone's like, yeah, we have a policy and we have a SIM solution installed. And I'm like, this is great. I want to see it. And they're like, we have it. I was like, cool, I want to I want to look at it. Yeah, and they're like, let's see those laws. And they're like, wait, we don't know. I was like, H- do you have a receipt? Because I know the CFO knows how much they paid for this thing, so where is it? And they're like... I don't know. I was like, yeah. you should probably get that out of your compliance book if you don't have it. <laughs> but I appreciate you having policy yeah. as, if, as if you do. So this is you're trying, though. We just, yeah. you know, uh, trust but verify. <laughs> was it at least on the server rack?
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> <Never> <laughs> i don't <laughs> even get out of the warehouse. <laughs> Didn't even have a brochure. I was yeah. really upset.
1: Uh, they looked at me when I said, so what is your SIM? And they're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we do. I'm like, oh, wait. <laughs> Back up. <laughs> That's great. So I'm kind of, was my, I'm a, uh, well, uh, may I say big fan of compliance? Because again, the reason why I'm excited, I would even say like the later versions of PCI three and above actually started adding teeth to compliance. The CMC, can you kind of explain, it's just not another checkbox and kind of, uh, kind of like how you have to actually validate that and kind of.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the first things I want to point out with the certification process is this is not something you can hand to your IT guy. And say, go make this happen. It will not work that way. Um, A lot of the processes are going to be infrastructure related, absolutely. Mm -hmm. There are also a lot of processes that are administratively related and training. So, every part of the organization is going to have to be covered as part of the certification process. Um, With that, though, a lot of the teeth that's coming with this comes with the body of knowledge that's being produced. Because there are so many interpretations of what things can mean and something I brought up a while ago that I meant as a joke and it quickly spun out of control that people were arguing that you can do this is we were talking about (laughs) two-factor authentication, you know, something you know, something you're given. Well, if something you know is the date and something you're given is the zodiac sign, does that count as two-factor authentication? And you know, I said it as a joke. <laughs> right. But people were arguing like, "No, well, no, technically that meets the requirements." I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> it's a date. It. Oh, it's a no. date range, no, right?" <laughs> <laughs> so, right. you know, really getting into the depth to say, "Okay, it needs to be some kind of a logarithmic method of getting something that will be randomized." Is really what we were going for. And that's the the point. That CMMC is going to be going through saying, "Okay, guys, here's what really makes sense for what we're trying to achieve for this particular thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, And can you kind of
1: I'm just kind of curious for companies uh, who can you explain? I'm always interested in in, uh, I guess I don't know if this is a term that I've heard, but it seems like the buck stops with everybody. And you kind of explain that you know if you're a third party and they do work for the DoD, what they have to be compliant for, how that rolls down, and also maybe um, maybe kind of uh, uh, what it means to actually you know people who work for the DoD even on a small scale. I think they think we're a small company and it's not going to count for us. So maybe kind of talking about that. And even if you can give any input on the levels, maybe right. not full details, but just, I want to get the full scope of the audience, even the high organizations, but also the mom and pop who makes a widget for the DOD. And they may not even know it until they get a notice that, Hey, that widget
3: is actually something we use for the DOD. All right. So let's, let's start with the levels. Let's yep. let's part of that one. And primarily because I want to eliminate as much fear as humanly possible. There is CMMC level one through five. So far, we are aware that CMMC one through three are being implemented this year. Four and five have not been written yet. And according to the DoD, the vast majority of companies are not going to have to go to that extreme. So please be aware of that now. If you are a mom and pop organization, look at level four and five as a Best practice of things you probably should be doing, mm-hmm. but not necessarily something you're going to have to get certified for. Mm-hmm. Um, levels one through three, and really pertain to what you're trying to accomplish. On levels one and two, you're really there to protect FCI. Um, yeah, and let's talk about FCI
2: and CUI, and okay, you so, know, wait, well, why were these? Compliance levels even created. Like, what are they really
3: protecting? So, FCI and CUI. Let's, let's start with FCI, which is Federal Contract Information, mm-hmm. and that is just basic information that you know where something is happening. And a lot of people don't really understand well, why does that matter. Mm-hmm. You know, why does it matter if if somebody knows that I mow the lawn at this particular location? And if you're talking about, for example, Lockheed's main headquarters in Fort Worth. Okay, everybody knows what that is. There's a big sign on it that says Lockheed Martin. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's really not that important. Yeah. But if you're talking about a military facility or maybe an unmarked facility where some piece is made, mm-hmm. if you know where that is, that is valuable information to somebody to say, hey, Something happens here and we don't know what, maybe we should pay attention to it. Yeah, could that be a threat to maybe our supply chain? It can be a threat to the supply chain. Mm -hmm. It could be an easy way to start targeting uh, which environments to look at. Mm -hmm. So although they don't seem very important, they really are important when it comes to it's helping people get direction as to where to go. Now, CUI, on the other hand, is you actually have blueprints for something that's being made so if you know if you're the company that makes the jesus bolt Mm -hmm. for a helicopter you know to military spec that's a very important piece of information and that is considered cui so if you make that bolt that is something that truly needs to be protected or let's say you make the uh spray that is radar deterrent Mm -hmm. You know, that's important. That's important information that we do not want people to get out into the world. So that is the CUI information. Now, one of the hard parts about this is the government has done as good as job as they can of marking these things. They should have that new purple CUI mark on it saying this is what this is or something equivalent to it depending how old your contract is. But as an organization, this is something that all organizations and every person in an organization that has a DOD contract needs to start getting trained up on of what is CUI and what to do if I happen to see it.
0: Mm-hmm. And Perfect. so who, sorry, not to interrupt. That's no, all good. But if the, you were a government agency, maybe one of the smaller mom and pop shops, mm-hmm. you've heard about CMMC, you Googled CMMC. Who would they reach out to? Like, what would their first contact be?
3: So right now, there is nobody. So right now, the best thing you can do is reach out. um, Guys, help me out in Oklahoma. I know in Texas, it's TMAC. Uh, It's the organization at University of uh, Arlington. It's a government organization to help people understand what's going on. I know Oklahoma has one as well. I've talked to them before. I just can't think of their name. I, know, I
2: can't think of the organization's name off the top of my head. but Cliff cool notes for later. Yes.
3: So, but even if you go on the CMMC AB's website right now, they outright say nobody's an expert right now. There are no uh, CP3IOs. There are no assessors. There are no pros. There's nothing yet. Yeah. They have a lot of people that have been pushing this and working to get it built like mad men for the last six months. And we're trying to evangelize this information as much as possible, but the first groups of people that are going to be certified by the CMMC AB to do work probably won't happen until fourth quarter this year. So having said that, there are a lot of organizations that will help you become NIST 800-171. And a lot of what CMMC is based off of that. So if you find an organization that has spent the last four years in the weeds and understanding what those compliances are both for Rev 1 and Rev 2, that organization can help you tremendously get to where you need to go and get that head, head start, get that uh, competitive advantage on those who have not started yet.
0: And so if any company has already done like the NIST 800-171 compliance, would you say they're kind of ahead of the game? Like they You have are a better absolutely understanding? ahead of the game. Okay. So if
3: you have already done what you should be doing for the NIST, you're probably 80% there right now, um, assuming that doing what you should have for NIST didn't include half of it being a poem. Mm-hmm. So right. yeah, and kind of going back to it, I know we were leading down the road and, got, and then
1: explained uh, actually data classifications. Level one through three, can you kind of just give a overview of that? Because I, again, I don't, again, I, I don't want people to get scared by it. Just to kind of ease them in, and say, hey, it's not a big spooky thing, but just here's what kind of to expect.
3: So levels one through three, there are. I want to be a little bit off because I can't remember off the top of my head. I think 107, 123 compliances that must be met for level three. Mm-hmm. So level one being the most basic, there are only 17 that have to be followed. And they are fairly common security practices that should be done anyway. You know, that that one shouldn't be very scary. Level two, I believe there is in the 80s range of how many check boxes you would have to be compliant. And really the major difference between level one and level two is in level two is where you really start sitting down and writing what is to be done when something happens. You don't have to necessarily do that in level one. You should, but you don't have to. In level two, that's when you're going to have to have that three-ring binder or if you can, please do live documentation with Git or something right. um, that would explain what your processes are. And then level three is when that goes into much more detail of what your processes are, who's responsible, uh, how to right documentation if something bad happens who do you inform what's that process so it just it goes a little more into the documentation standpoint for levels one through three
1: gotcha and then i guess in the the three is it kind of like because i'm thinking a compliance of a checkbox a third party can come in whatever that may be and say hey let's get you try to you know with this you know CMMC." once you know we have actual uh examiners and stuff like that um they'll say i would say it's the show me Awesome. That's great. I'm glad you do that. Can you show me the document or can you show me uh, plans like that? Can you, I mean, just someone who might be going for a, a level three, like what could on one compliance, what could they expect from, you know, them
3: showing you or. Okay. So let, let's just generically take subject XYZ. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Yep. As it stands right now, if an assessor was to walk into an organization, say, I'm going to check you on this particular subject. What you can reasonably expect on a level three is the first question they're going to ask is, whom is ultimately responsible for ensuring this got done? Mm -hmm. And in that process, if they just kind of generally point at the IT guy, you can reasonably assume that assessor is going to look at your IT guy and say, okay how much money have you allocated for this this year? And the IT guy's going to shake his head and say, I don't do that. And then, then you're going to look at him and say, okay, how many hours have you dedicated resource-wise for this? And he goes, well, I'm not responsible for that either. And you can immediately go, okay, that's not the person I'm looking for. Yeah. So it's <laughs> yep. clearly something higher than him. So whom is responsible for this information? Once I know who is responsible, the next thing we should be looking for is, what is the process for adding information to and taking information away from that particular group of information. So for that one, let's just take user access as the very easy one to understand. Mm -hmm. Of only certain number of people need to have access to your government contract information. How does a person go through and get qualified to get access to that? Have they had their background check? Have they worked for the company for a year or whatever you decide to do? Have they done the steps? How is that done? They've been granted access, awesome. Okay, that person no longer works in this project. How do we take them back off that list? Let's take them off the LDAP. Let's take them off access. Let's take away their key to that part of the building. Yeah. You know, what is that process? That's number two. Second, third, sorry. Third, I'd go through and say, okay, how often is this information verified? Yeah. You know, I want to see that once or twice a year, a security professional sits down and says, you know what? everybody who's on this list of access truly needs to be on this this list for access yeah and then once that's done is all that documented of the process how it's done where is that information stored and you're set to go that that's the kind okay. of mentality you should be going about well okay that as
1: well said but what if i'm a company that just you know i outsource everything because i want no liability
3: Ooh, okay. <laughs> yes, you can absolutely do that. But let's be very, very honest. If that is how you're wanting to run your company, one thing you're going to have to talk about with your third party is when the audit happens, that third party probably needs, well, not probably, that third party needs to be there when the audit is going on. So when the auditor asks questions, somebody can answer it. So would that maybe then that third party might actually have to be
1: CMMC compliant as well? Oh, they absolutely will have to be. So the company would that has the contract and then the third party that's, will say, in control of that information or application.
3: Correct. So at that point, you are, you kind of look at this as a uh, subprime to a subprime is really yeah. what you are. Yeah. And, and kind of use
1: that for, uh, I know there's a lot of PCI people, I would, I would say use this term in scope. So that would be in scope of that, that specific audit. And I, I think to me, that's why, again, pardon me for ever getting excited about any type of audit. That's not my jam, but <laughs> I'm excited because typically when we do audits, so I'd just be like, advise, advise, and there'd really be no teeth to it. What I always want to do, and as other security people, is actually be able to help, not just not just advise, say, hey, man, like we're going to help you, like dual authentication. Now you say you do it, but can I see it? And maybe I can give you some good ideas on maybe on, on a different, like maybe even a cheaper version, just actually help really secure the stuff and kind of having that. It's not just securing the company, yes, but it's also securing like the, the data infrastructure for the United States. And I think a lot of people, I hope that they look at it like that um, because, it, I mean, if uh, obviously being in security, we get attacks. Um, we have millions and billions of dollars all over the world being stolen intellectual property because uh, we st- we're still using password one. and not even joking literally we worked a pen test uh, three weeks ago and the domain admin was password one Uh, so it still exists it's still out there still top (laughs) 10 and having this type of cmmc where uh, i would say you know it's a little more uh, forward thinking with teeth and by teeth that may sound maybe a little aggressive for the the people who need it i'm just saying the examiner is going to make you stronger Obviously, we don't expect you to be perfect security or infrastructure or audit people. We just have the availability to make you better and more sound. And honestly, um, thinking outside, you'll be less likely to be ransomware. And we just put it out there. It'll totally cut down on attacks because you'll be certified. Um, Hackers usually get the low-hanging fruit, and that's what's exciting for me about it.
2: Yeah, man. And, like, these types of organizations, you know, it's not like they have to get their infrastructure – the equivalent of like google or amazon or any of these crazy places like that it's just doing those little things to take care of that low-hanging fruit i mean i, f- I feel like we're still seeing government breaches with stuff that was patchable two years ago you yeah. know eternal mm-hmm. blues still popping people right now and that's just outrageous yeah if they would just have monthly patching and things like that and you know documenting that sort of stuff just taking the small easy steps you know doing security awareness training for their employees to make sure they don't click on phishing emails, you know, it's, it's definitely not this, you know, crazy castle fortress that you got to put in front of your network. It's just doing the little things like uh, bringing the moat up whenever you let people in, or bringing the bridge (laughs) Bridge that goes over the moat, moat locking the door, (laughs) locking the door, closing the windows. (laughs) So
3: so that is one point that I would like to press out, especially to the smaller companies out there is when you're looking at the CMMC certification. One of the most important parts of getting this done is recognizing which part of your company actually does work with the government. Defining boundaries is one of the steps you are going to have to take. And when you get to that point, define the boundaries first. Like if, if I was a small company, if I was you know 20 guys and I had a small environment, defining where the boundaries are first has to be the thing you pay attention to the most. Because if you just look at this and go, oh, my God, my entire company has to follow all these crazy things. And they're really not crazy, either, but they have to do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And you you kind of panic a little bit versus if you come to the realization that, you know what, it's really just one room and three computers and a firewall yeah. that I have to make sure is good. Yeah. Now, do that for your certification and as you get good at it, as you work on it and understand how it work, how it plays out, let those practices then organically take over the rest of your company as well as it lends itself. Don't freak out and think, okay, I have to go through and buy every new computer has to get a new encrypted hard drive because of this. No, they don't. Just, just the ones that do work in the government. Mm-hmm. So get what you need done. For the certification, don't ignore that part. And then just like I said, let the rest of it organically work into the rest of your company.
1: And I guess if uh, if and when someone does become CMMC, is that lifetime? What's, how does that work? So the
3: certification process is every three years. And so every three years, you'll have to go through what this process of audit again. And this is one of those things that when my company originally looked at this, and I'll be very honest with you guys, um, I've had gone through audits dozens and dozens of times, and I always hate it when the little gremlin shows up to your door to do the audit. <laughs> right. It's this a random person you've never met before in your life, <laughs> yeah. and you've never had an intelligent conversation before. That, it just drives me nuts. So when we decided to go through this and start heading down this path of becoming an assessor organization, one of the reasons we did that is because I want to work with companies all the time. Their assessment. So, yes, every three years I'm going to have to come out and do a big assessment. But in my brain, it's almost logical that at least quarterly I should have to reach out and touch base with everybody that I've certified to say, hey guys, how are you doing? How do you feel you're doing? By the way, here's this new thing that came out that you're going to have to think about on this next certification. You know, I like going in in person uh, i know with the uh, the COVID issue going on that's a little bit more difficult I, I, but we do what we can yeah but you know I, I would say at least three times a year give them a phone call as, as an assessor call those who i've done say hey guys here's what's going on and try once a year to actually go on site and say hey knock on the door i see you got cameras in now that's a good job yeah yeah i <laughs> see you you're doing these things i've seen you actually rolling this out better awesome so when it comes time to the assessment it takes that fear away from those that need it done that, hey, it's not some gremlin, it's Fred. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. it it doesn't need to be this stressful, you know, thing that you're avoiding having to do. You don't want to you don't want an organization to be getting ready for this type of audit and it be like, you know, when the parents are coming home and all the kids are <laughs> trying to clean up real quick, you <laughs> know, 15 <laughs> right. or 30 minutes before uh, they show up. You know, you want it to be more of a relationship to where they can lean on you and trust on you because I think the ultimate goal of this and the reason CMMC was really put together was to help these organizations not scare them, not hurt them. It's really to improve them and improve the security of, you know, like Donovan mentioned earlier, it's the United States data.
1: Yeah, and I and I like the approach. Uh, it's it's again. The, I love the the gremlin idea. I can just see that in my head. But as you know, hey, that that's that's Fred calling again. That's not only going to add. There's a trust relationship there with, with that. And also, secondly, the the fear is gone. Uh, the the overall goal is at the end of the day, it's got to get done. But there's a better way to do it as opposed to I would say other audit verticals. It's more of a, a again the gremlin, and they're just coming in and, and kind of you know theoretically smashing stuff as opposed as almost like a guide almost if i dare say consultant but like you're advising (laughs) them because when the audit comes they're they're not sweating it you you the the person should already know kind of what we're going to talk about and they probably already know what's going to be in the report but it makes it easier for them and they're more successful and they can start budgeting for that as over the three years and i think that's a
3: a great rotation for that so and also, if you're going to be an organization uh, registered prov- registered providing provider organization Ugh, acronyms love it <laughs> yeah. RPO if you're going to be an organization that's helping companies become certified, I would recommend you find an assessor that you agree with their ethos and how they operate to partner with you and to work with your company. So one, you're going to have to get certified yourself. So that's always good to know. But it's always great. If you're an organization and the new widget comes out, as it always will, okay, your organization just spent three months testing, verifying, doing all this fun stuff with this new widget. Hey, let's go grab our assessor real fast, bring him in, and make sure he's cool with what's going on with this. So that when we sell this to clients, it gets implemented, and then that assessment comes, we don't find out in a year and a half, that, hey, right. this <laughs> didn't actually qualify. <laughs> yeah, right. you, I mean, you can already see the vendors jumping on the
2: opportunity of, oh, man, CMMC, this is going to get you everything you need to be CMMC compliant. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so right. Those
3: know. guys came
1: out about three days after
2: it was yeah. announced.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> so, I think that's yeah. a, actually that's a good segue. So I have been personally... Um, talking to other people and they're like, Hey man, watch out for people who are saying they're certified just to kind of get in the weeds about it. Once people see a new compliance, um, a lot of the vultures, vendor vultures come yeah, in do. and I'd like to get, I mean, if anything you've seen out there personally, and kind of maybe you can give some feedback and how would you verify if someone is a le- I, I say legit, I know no one's licensed, but how do you, how do you know? I guess. Okay.
3: So there will be a list on cmmcab.org, which is the nonprofit organization responsible for this, there will be a list on there of the companies that are good to go. There's also going to be a marketplace eventually of various products that are good to go. If you want to look at the products list right now, go jump on FedRAMP's uh, environment. Yeah. That'll give okay. you a lot of information. Yep. Um, but those, those will be on the Accreditations Bodies website where you can really go look and find this stuff. Um, when it comes to the shenanigans of people saying they are what they are, yeah. I've already seen one company in Houston uh, say they are level five certified, uh, which is truly wow. amazing being that it's <laughs> never been talked about. Yeah. Um, I mean, um, said very it's not even been written. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it hasn't. Yeah. They live in, the, live in uh, 2022. I got it. And, yeah. and <laughs> this is unfortunately one of those downsides of uh, search engine optimization is when this got announced, A lot of companies knowing how to organically grow SEO just threw those buzzwords against the wall so that it starts getting clicks. And it's annoying, but it does happen, okay? We all know how the industry works. Um, The easiest way to tell those who are truly into it versus those who are buzzwording into it is spend about 30 seconds on Google and start pulling up the videos. Start looking at government entities that are hosting podcasts i promise you on a weekly basis and you'll start to see uh, roughly about 20 or 30 organizations that are actively talking and participating in this stuff and then you have the other guys that are actively reading exactly what's on the CMCAB website mm-hmm. so right easy way to explain the difference mm-hmm. perfect
0: Awesome. Um, do you have any recommendations? So for the small organizations who are going to have to be becoming CMMC compliant and working with assessor assessor, excuse me. Do you have any recommendations on questions they should be asking assessors as they're going through the CMMC process?
3: Asking the assessor.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, is there anything in particular you think they should keep? at the front of their mind when they're meeting and getting to know their assessor
3: that's a great question give me a second while i ponder that one. (laughs) yeah (laughs) so so you talked
2: about you know how they approach business you know their ethics and if they're going to be on the same page with you and you maybe Mm -hmm. maybe
1: you're ted you're kind of explaining like before you engage in that contract maybe maybe i guess a good question i would say is um I guess, first of all, have you done this before? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Second would be is um, how do you plan on going through this? Do you have an outline? And what can I expect? I think even what you talked about, again, I love the the Fred approach, because I'll I'll use that is I know Fred. Fred's going to come by. Um, I'm not really a a guy that you're having to outsource this service to. I should kind of be almost as a partner here and a consultant guiding you through it. Um, I think personally that's how I would do it. As opposed to just, I think, shooting from the hip and just clicking the first link on mm-hmm. Google and asking us more. Because this is going to be someone who's going to be literally inside your environment crawling through it. And if you can't have, a, I think, a, in a candid conversation with, uh, probably would probably not go with them. It'd make your li- cause it make ha- Because they could have an opportunity to make your life a little more difficult if you wouldn't get along personally.
3: So if I were to do this, because as an assessing organization, we will have to be CMMC levels certified as well. Yep. And basically, as far as I understand it, whatever the, the highest level is available is what we have to be certified at because that's what we're certifying to. Yep. So if I was just, just call a company and say, Hey, I don't know this guy from Adam and Eve. What do I do? The first thing I would start talking to them about is how do I securely send you information? Mm-hmm. You know, how we're looking to do this. We're clearly going to have to share information to get this done. How do you guys handle that? And make sure the organization you're talking to understands that, you you, we have an encrypted email service that we use. So if you're talking to our salespeople, it's Broadmoor.io. If you're talking to our secure line, it's this other email address that only clients know. Mm You know, when we send you information, where will that information be stored? Okay, well, we, every client's information we have is stored on a thumb drive that is encrypted on the thumb drive with a key pen, and all those thumb drives are then locked into our vault and are only brought out once two people are there and a need is, need is risen for us to get it. So you can kind of walk through all the things you just did to get certified and see if they've done it. Mm-hmm. If they have not done the certification process, they haven't done their work, they'll be like, oh, uh, uh, just send the stuff to gmail.com and we're good. Really cool. Yeah, that,
2: that'd be a little concerning. Oh, yeah, yeah it'd be concerned. Yeah. concerning.
3: Absolutely.
1: Last I checked, that website has a little key on it. That way I know it's secure. So <laughs> yeah. just throwing that out there, that's uh, how you know they there's really secure there.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, Fred, is there anything else you think people should know about CMMC?
3: Don't panic. Um, number one, that's just the biggest thing. And understand that with everything new, the first year is going to be a little hair raising. That's just the way life is whenever anything new comes out. Um, Second, don't overthink the process. I said, there are going to be a lot of companies and a lot of products that are going to be coming out that do an excellent job of what you need to get done. But there's also a lot of freeware out there, a lot of open source projects that do the same thing. And yeah, the open source projects are going to take a little bit more manpower on your behalf but you've really got to sit down and think in your organization, what's going to be the better option for us? Do we learn how to do this open source thing or do we go buy this product? Um, Documentation is kind of one of the big ones is you're going to have documentation of what your network looks like. There are a lot of really awesome programs out there that will just go out there and discover everything. They're truly amazing. Okay. Well, Visio only costs like 600 bucks and manually do it. So really yeah. sit down and think about what you truly need as an organization and understand that open source projects are just fine as well. doesn't have to be bought and paid for by the big three to say, hey, this is what we need. Um, be careful of the cloud. If you don't have to use it, try not to. You know, The cloud is going to be one of those interesting environments where we've got to figure out how do you – Verify Your information is encrypted at rest when it's in the cloud. You're going to have to get that information somehow. So when it comes to the cloud, use it when you need to. But if you don't have to, don't bother. It's just going to add more complexity. Um, Beyond that, look for the guys that are truly giving out information, freely exchanging information, and be careful with them. You know, there, there are a lot of guys out there right now that are have been doing podcasts like this or going out and speaking at universities that are trying to do everything they can to get people to understand what this is, how it operates, and what to expect And at the same time that they're trying to build this as they're doing it. So it's changed yeah. over the last six months. It's going to mm-hmm. change six months from now. We're doing the best we can, and we're trying to share as much as possible. So listen. Listen to what they say and don't assume that you understand what they mean really go look at it
2: yeah i think everybody's you know pretty worried and a little scared about this whole process but you know just going out and constantly educating yourself and talking to your peers about it sharing that information along the way i think is going to be a big help for everybody involved in it yeah
0: fred thank you so much for joining us today i really appreciate it donovan andrew thank you both for being on the podcast as well appreciate it thanks teddy thanks guys thanks fred